Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Live in Conversation. Hold on, let me get out of my chair because I like to pace when I actually record these episodes. So if you ever hear like random noise, like slight noise in the background, that's why I do prefer to pace a little bit. Um, You know, it's just a habit of mine. Um, So yeah, but interesting news coming through just today, actually, this morning. Tony Thurmond, who is the state superintendent of California, announced his candidacy for governor. Now, listen, here's the thing, okay? A lot of people are expecting me to slander him, and I'm not really slandering him. I'm just gonna, you know, express my concerns um, for a potential Thurmond administration, what that can bring to California in my eyes. Um, Besides the fact that I'm obviously running for governor, you can choose to take this as biased. You can choose to take it as unbiased, whatever you please, honestly. I mean, here's the thing. Something about me is I'm very open to people's interpretation. I'm very open to people's insight, opinions, and whatnot. Um, So yeah, if you ever have anything like that, you can actually email me, tony4ca at outlook.com. You can email me there and I will respond to you hopefully same day, if not the next day. Um, But I try to respond as quickly as possible. I do have it on my phone, have it on my computer. I have my email always logged in and with notifications on, on like every device I own. So I do tend to get back to those pretty quickly, but obviously it's my campaign email. It does get a little cluttered from time and time again. So, you know, if, if I end up by some miracle missing your email, you know, just just follow up and it'll most likely appear at the top. Um, so yeah, but um, anyways, Tony Thurmond, who's a state, state superintendent um, and previously was a House of Representatives member, I believe, or at least a state representative, he was a representative, um, is running for governor. And I heard the rumors quite a bit. He publicly expressed interest a few times, I believe. Um, and listen, here's the thing. I'm open to all challengers um, who are who are seeking the democratic nomination for governor obviously me included in that that brings the total of candidates for the democratic nomination to five including myself tony thurmond uh lieutenant governor kunalakis um former state controller betty Yee, and jesse perez now that brings the total to five which means things are heating up very quickly um hence why i decided to you know announced this so soon. Um, now, my original plan for all of this was I was going to run for mayor and everything was going to be grand, you know, but then I was like, maybe I should run for governor instead. Um, and when that thought first crossed my mind, I was like, you know, that might seem a little hypocritical, um, considering that I was so focused and honed in on local issues. Um, but I realized that we can amplify these local issues and make them a state issue because that's what they are. They are state issues. We have issues with education, issues with homelessness, drug abuse, um, out of control, drug trafficking, kidnapping, crime in general. Um, we have so many issues and we need to resolve them in a timely manner and in a very quick, timely manner. Um, and here's the thing, we have to do so, and this is this is the challenging part for many, is is making sure that, that you know, it doesn't cost an arm and a leg for everybody um, to make these plans happen, but it also takes determination and support by, um, you know, the state senate and the state assembly to, of course, approve these plans. Um, obviously, I can't just go say, oh yeah, this is a plan that's immediately getting sent to the top. You know, I plan to follow the state constitution and the federal constitution to a T. Um, and, you know, just overall, make sure that people are safer and happier and better off financially than they were under the Newsom administration. That's my goal. Um, and I'm very straight up with my goal. And my goal is pretty big. I'm not going to lie. It's a very, very big goal to take on. Um, but we can get it done. 
I have good faith that we can get it done, or at least we can get a good portion of the way there within four years. And, you know, if I win, I'm running for re-election. I mean, that's, that's not even a question. Um, now, if people decide to support me, that's another question, of course. However, my intent is that even if I do not win, I'll run again in 2030. You know what I mean? I'll run again and again and again. I'm persistent, but that's only because of the fact that people are really struggling. And Tony Thurmond, he has a very, very large background in educational issues. Um, now, he hasn't listed, I believe, anything specific when it comes to what issues he'll tackle and which priorities he will prioritize if elected governor. Um, however, you know, and that's something that I, I like to criticize everybody on within this race because nobody really has these issues outlined as much as I do. And the reason that I, you know, have these issues outlined so early on is not only the fact that, you know, things change, of course, and I'm going to have to change them accordingly as time goes on and as new issues arise and as old ones potentially die down. Um, but the, the platform that I'm currently running on represents the real issues and how to get them fixed. Um, you know, do I believe that, you know, we should have homeless camps, you know, littering our streets or not littering our streets, but just everywhere on our streets? No, but we shouldn't be arresting them for that. Instead, we should be actually doing the job and getting the job done to prioritize the construction and speedy construction of affordable housing over luxurious housing. Um, and I've spoken on this many times. Um, I personally think the amount of luxurious housing in California is, is insane. And a lot of this stuff never gets sold because there's not enough buyers. And the reason why is because architects and, and developers, uh, some of them have picked up that we need affordable housing, and a lot of them have picked up on this, um, and they've realized it, and they've actually taken action, which I applaud them on. Um, however, I do think the state needs to definitely work hand-in-hand -hand with architects, landlords, uh, property developers, construction companies, and we need to get as much affordable housing, permanent affordable housing in as possible over, you know, prioritizing luxurious housing. I'm not saying we should just ban luxurious housing, you know, if, if you have enough money and if you pay your taxes, then I have no issue with you. If you still have a lot of money, right, and you pay your fair share of taxes, you know, technically you're not breaking any laws just by having money. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, I mean, I do think luxurious housing is something that needs to stay, but we need to amplify the amount of affordable housing. We need to have a ratio of affordable housing to luxurious housing where affordable housing is prioritized over the luxurious housing by a long shot. We need that immediately. Um, and I hope to, you know, make that ratio happen because that ratio is what's going to benefit us uh, in the long run. It'll benefit the people who are looking for affordable housing. We also need to open up programs that allow people to get into these resources. You know, a lot of people get annoyed because, you know, we build these resources and then nobody really uses them or barely anybody uses them. But the reason why, and I, I find this quite a lot when I'm doing research on the topic, is that people just simply aren't aware of what resources are truly available, and we need we need to get these the awareness up, because if we're if we're building all these things, then we need to get the awareness up that it's available, um, and you know the strict restrictions as to who is eligible and who isn't is honestly complete nonsense to me. I mean, if you if you are financially stable and you're doing fantastic, if you're doing fantastic. Um, then, I mean, honestly, you shouldn't need affordable housing, really, if you're perfectly fine housed where you are and you're not in a financial struggle. That's totally fine. But there are people who simply cannot afford the extremely high rent costs. 
and people who can't even afford to, you know, move if they wanted to. Um, we've seen a lot of people leaving California lately as a result of this. The people that do have money that are able to leave the state are leaving the state in, in large numbers due to the, the pure negligence of the Newsom administration um, and how we really need change. Um, and here's the thing with Tony Thurmond. I personally think, and again, this is my personal opinion, there's no hatred towards Tony Thurmond from my myself or anybody that represents me. Um, but here's the thing, and, and I have genuine concern. Um, my genuine concern is that Tony Thurmond pledges, he seems to be wanting change. He seems to be running a campaign on change now. Um, but here's the thing. If we look at the education system in California, there are many, many issues with it. Um, many people don't even go to school. A lot of people are not able to go to school. A lot of people skip school. A lot of people have difficulty in school due to extremely ridiculous curriculum, which needs serious reforming. Um, and you know what? Honestly, I, I just don't see that translating well to becoming governor. You know, I don't see somebody who has overseen the education crisis grow and grow and grow. I don't see that translating well to that person then becoming governor of the entire state because then my fear and my genuine fear is that programs will not be made aware to the public who actually needs these programs. It will not be communicated well and I just feel like communication and effectiveness um, will not be priority and that is that is detrimental to the job that we need to get done. Um, and here's the thing. We all need to unite and realize, you know, and this is a situation that happened in 2016 during the Democratic primary where it was Hillary Clinton versus Bernie Sanders. Now, obviously, I'm a big Bernie Sanders fan. Everybody knows this um, at this point. I, I, I absolutely agree 100% with pretty much everything Bernie Sanders has put forward legislation-wise um, and his stances on unionization and whatnot. Um, but here's the thing. We're in a situation right now where there's a Democratic primary and we have someone who is actually endorsed by Hillary Clinton. Um, Lieutenant Governor Kunalakis is endorsed by Hillary Clinton, if you look on her website. Um, and I find that I found that interesting because it is pretty much reliving the 2016 presidential primary all over again. You know, we're reliving that exact same scenario in a way. Except this time around, there's way more people um, than just the two people. Obviously, there were many other challengers, but we're talking about the two main ones who stuck it out until the end, which was Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Obviously, in that scenario, Hillary Clinton ended ended up winning the nomination, which arguably, and in, in my opinion as well, ended up handing the presidency over to Donald Trump back in 2016, um, which actually caused a lot of the issues that we are now facing currently. Um, but anyways... My personal thought is that, you know, a lot of these establishment politicians, um, career politicians and whatnot need to get out of the way. They need to, they need to leave. They need to get out in the nicest way possible. They just need to, they just need to move because they need to move aside. And, and this, hear me out on this one. People are tired of having the same representation that doesn't truly represent them. You know, we've had these career politicians bouncing in our political sphere for many, many, many times. We had it happen in 2018 when Gavin Newsom was running for governor. Um, he was mayor of, Lo uh, not Los Angeles, mayor of San Francisco. San Francisco, if you look at it now, and while granted, Mayor London Breed has had a 
pretty big hand in what has happened. Gavin Newsom is also partially to blame. Um, and we saw that San Francisco was declining um, into what it is today and what we feared it would become, which is pretty much almost identical to what it is currently, unfortunately. And we saw this and we were like, oh, yeah, we can make him governor. And honestly, to this day, I feel bad for the people that decided that because honestly, some people couldn't have foreseen this coming. You know, I personally did. I personally knew. And this is my, I guess, thesis, if you will, where, you know, if we're electing somebody that has done something in, a, in a, any other capacity, whether you be mayor of a city or, you know, a, a state rep, you know what I mean? Or, you know, just a, a member of the assembly or the state senate, you know, and you're representing on a smaller level than governor, right? And you oversee issues that will later explode. We need more transparency because then we could have found out what we could have done. We need common sense leadership and we need transparency and we need that now. We needed it years ago. But unfortunately, we really didn't have it on the level that we should have had it. You know, and a lot of people claim, oh, yeah, we're transparent. We're, you know, common sense. You know, we're, we're thinking forward and not backwards. But at the same time, you have to realize and you have to understand that, you know, if we look at the definition of insanity, I mean, it's doing the same thing over and over again. It's expecting a different result or an outcome. Um, and that's kind of what we did in 2018 when we elected Gavin Newsom. You know, we saw that San Francisco was on decline. Um, things were getting bad there. But we decided to make him governor unfortunately. Um, and listen, I've agreed with some things Newsom has done. I've disagreed with many things that Newsom has done. I've mainly disagreed with the way he's been handling the office of governor um, because I just feel like it is not, you know, good enough. It is not good enough. It's not a quality enough of a job. There's not as much dedication as there should be. Um, and that's, that's just my personal opinion on that, of course. But also, we have to understand that, you know, there's a chance that this happens again. And we need to stop that from happening. You know, we have the current lieutenant governor who has also overseen a lot of these issues arise. Um, and she's running for governor currently. We had the former state controller, Betty E. She is running as well. And she saw and oversaw a lot of this stuff happening. Jesse Perez, he's never been a politician. So I can't really give him anything for that, obviously. I can't say that he oversaw it all because he's never been in an office of government before. Neither have I. Um... And, and then there's Tony Thurmond, who has just entered the race this morning. Um, and here's the thing. He's oversaw our education crisis. He's overseeing these crises as well. But why are we going to keep electing officials and candidates who have overseen the disasters that they now claim they want to fix? Why are we making these decisions? This is why people are scared that the Republican Party will begin to take over California and that, you know, the voting voting will drastically change, um, you know, and, and the public perception of the Democratic Party will go, you know, down quite a lot. Um, and that's a big issue because by doing what we're doing currently, or at least on the majority scale, by doing what we're currently doing and, you know, just electing people who oversaw these issues become issues in the first place we're pretty much just feeding into the fire. Um, and that that's the big issue, is that we're feeding into the fire continuously. And, you know, we can't just keep feeding a fire because eventually the fire is just going to get bigger and bigger and then it's going to engulf us. And then that's when it becomes an uncontrollable issue. 
we need to take control of the issues that we currently have, in this instance, the multiple crises that are rocking our state currently, in a negative manner. We need to take control of these things, get our hands a little dirty to actually get the job done, which means, in, in this instance, full devotion and dedication to solving these issues, which is something that I pledge I will do. And then taking those problems and, and, and taking them out, you know? We need actual effective takeouts of our crises. We need to get them out and we need to do it effectively. We need to do it quickly and we need to, do, we need to make sure that we're not breaking the bank while we're doing it. I think, honestly, that there are several ways that we can do this. You know, there's many, is- there's many programs that are honestly unnecessary, you know, um, and can be instead replaced with more wide-scale universal programs that end up saving us money. You know, universal health care, with all the medic, like, uh, what's it called? With all, like, the, the state assistance when it comes to health completely cut and instead giving everybody universal health care, we would save a good amount of money. In addition, we would also save a good amount of money if we ended, you know, um, what's it called? Like, welfare-type programs and instead introducing universal basic income for everyone. Um, within the working class and the lower income class. Now, my personal belief when it comes to universal basic income, I'm a big supporter of it. However, I do believe that, you know, the rich people really shouldn't need universal basic income because they have all the income in the world. Um, you know, and if it does get to a point where we, you know, rich people end up really not having money, which I don't ever see happening really, then you know what? They're technically middle class now, you know what I mean? But the issue is that, you know, we keep electing the same officials and expecting different outcomes and expecting actual change to happen, which is not going to happen. I'm telling you guys right now, and this is this is a fair warning. If Lieutenant Governor Kunalakis or if Betty Yee or even Tony Thurmond becomes governor, there will be no change. There will be no true change. There will be no different outcomes. It will literally be a Newsom 2.0 administration. It would pretty much just be another four to eight years, depending on if they're reelected, of Newsom administration policies. That's exactly what it would be. And people are tired of these Newsom administration policies because these Newsom administration policies have done nothing but harm the working class and harm the lower income communities and, and it actually made those communities much larger because it's even impacted the working class to the point where they've become low income. And then that means that the state has to pay to help these people. We should instead, we should still be helping these people out, of course, but we need to work on permanent, effective solutions. And we also need to work on restoring our economy because our economy is a disaster right now. Bidenomics is not working. That's inevitable. And a lot of people give me crap for that because I'm a Democrat but I'm trashing President Biden and I'm trashing Governor Newsom. And here's the thing, you know, there's there's a couple things we might agree on. You know, core fundamentals, you know, especially when it comes to ethics and equality. You know, we agree on a lot of the same things. It's the execution and the effectiveness that we disagree on. I think Bidenomics is dumb. I think it's completely ineffective and I think it's pretty much just Reaganomics 2.0. None of these things are going to work out for the working class, and it's not going to work out for the lower income communities. It's only going to benefit the rich. Trickle-down economics is never the answer. In my personal opinion, I, I also think capitalism is not the answer either. You know, I've also, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty supportive of socialism, of course, 
Um, and that's, that's where a lot of the hatred does tend to come from is the fact that I do support socialism over capitalism. Um, but the issue is that people are misinformed heavily about what socialism is. Um, and, and honestly, I don't, I don't like that people have been misinformed about socialism. I I want people to go out there and do their own research with non-biased sources. Um, but there's a plenty of people who won't do that. Um, and then there's the some that will do that. Um, and, and my goal in, in asking you to, you know, research what, what socialism in a democracy would look like is hoping that you will see that we can pull it off and that it will benefit us much more than capitalism has, which it has not benefited us. If anything, it has taken from us. You know, the working class is going through multiple crises right now, particularly economical crises. But when is enough enough? When will we realize that electing the same officials over and over isn't going to get us anywhere? The way I like to describe our political system and the way we choose officials is insanity. Because that's pretty much what it is. Every four years or so, we go to the ballot box and we elect these establishment career politician officials expecting different outcomes when a lot of these people have overseen the issues being created and evolving and becoming worse and worse and worse. But then they use their campaign policies as a way to basically like have like lie and just say, oh yeah, we'll get rid of these issues. And then it never happens. Look at the Biden campaign in 2020. They promised so many things that sounded great on paper, but they have not been done. But here's the thing. They're going to try and rope us in, and they're already doing this. They're trying to rope us in and say, hey, we couldn't get it done in the first four. We'll get it done in the next four if you just reelect us, you know? And I'm not falling for it. I fell for it the first time, and I'm not going to fall for it again, though, because I realized that on these campaign trails, these career politicians are not running for the good of the people. They're running for a paycheck. They're running for their paycheck. They're running to get, you know, pack money in their wallets and, and um, investments into their wallets. They're running for the title. They're running for the power. And they're running for the public perception. And they're running for, you know, maybe even the popularity. I'm not running for any of those things. I'm running so that I can make real change because it's past due. Real change has been past due for so long that it's honestly tiring. It's tiring because people are struggling constantly. You know, I've been a very big advocate for the working class because the working class, if we had no working class, this country wouldn't last a single day. If the working class up and disappeared, this, this, this entire country would collapse immediately because the working class is like the, the foundation or the support beams of a really big building. But if you just get rid of the support beams and the foundation, that, that, that building's going to come crashing down. You know, it's not going to end well. It's not going to look good. You know what I mean? It's not going to it's not going to be a good outcome. But what we're doing by electing the same old officials who oversaw these issues happen, what we're doing is pretty much taking a sledgehammer to those support beams and we're just slowly chipping away at them. Except every time we chip away at them, the utensil that we use gets bigger because there's more things happening that are damaging our economic integrity. That's how I see it. 
in a more metaphorical, you know, sense is that we're, we're taking our support beams and we're just chipping away at them because we are not informed. The voter base is not informed. And that's unfortunate. Am I one of these insane Republicans that are trying to raise the voting age and make people take a civics test? Absolutely not. But I do think that we need to do a better job at informing voters, hey, there's more than two parties. Hey, these aren't the only candidates running. There's a whole list of other ones. You know, um, and while I'm running under the Democratic nomination, we need to realize there's more than two parties. There's plenty of other parties and they deserve representation as well. They absolutely deserve more representation than they currently get. And I think it's ridiculous that they, they, they have been silenced kind of um, in like a duopoly effect because now we have this duopoly that is really not benefiting us at all. It's actually just harming us. Um, so yeah, but at the end of the day, my thoughts on the matter Tony Thurmond, Kunalakis, and Betty Yee are not good options. Now, Jesse Perez would be a better option, in my opinion, than them. But here's the thing. The issue with Jesse Perez is that we're not even sure what his plans are, necessarily. Um, He hasn't released any sort of plans, hasn't released his real platform in full, um, and he's really inactive. He has not really spoken about the, the real issues um, which honestly stinks. It, it sucks, you know, because when you're electing somebody, you want to know what their plan is. You, you don't want to elect somebody just because, you know, they said they're running, you know, you want to elect somebody that actually has plans prepared. I have plans prepared. I'm still preparing plans. You know what I mean? I have, and I have plans on plans on plans and I don't plan to stop anytime soon. And yes, that was a pun. There was a pun intended there. I hope you got it. It's probably really, 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 really cringy, but you know what? It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, when, when you see all these candidates that I'm running against, just realize that there is a clear choice here. There is a choice between establishment, career politicians, where you will see no change. There is a choice of, you know, somebody who doesn't even really have a publicly released plan um, or any sort of um, issues that he will plan to tackle. Um, He does not really, he hasn't released any sort of plans or platform. But then you look over at my campaign and you realize I have all the boxes checked. I got plans. I got, you know, a list of issues that I plan to tackle, how I plan to tackle them. And I'm still actively working and changing it as time goes on and as different things occur. Because the issue is that we can't just keep the same old plan. You know, at some point we got to realize this plan isn't fitting anymore. You know what I mean? It's like trying to put on clothes from when you were a baby as like, as a grown up. You go into like your storage, you find some clothes from when you were little and you try to put them on. They don't fit anymore. They don't work anymore. They're not going to fit you. So we have to realize it's time that I go to the store and get some new clothes. Or, well, in a more literal sense and not in the metaphorical sense, it's time that we ditch these old recycled plans and these old recycled establishment politicians and instead we replace them with something new that will actually make changes happen, that will actually benefit the people over the corporations, that will put the people first and the corporations last. And that's why I'm running. 
Because if, if, if I saw that there was a candidate that checked off all my boxes and the way that I see things, I wouldn't be running right now. But there's not a single candidate that checks all those boxes off. So that's why I decided to throw my hat in the ring. And it's been pretty successful so far. I believe today we're up to 49% and we're still in first place by a lot. Um, And that's thanks to all of you. So I truly, truly appreciate each and every single one of you so, so much. Um, You know, it's it's been a wild ride so far, but we got to strap in and realize we got like three more years ahead of us before this election comes. And a lot of people were criticizing Tony Thurmond actually um, for announcing his campaign because, oh, it's 2023. You got three more years. What are you talking about? Like, but people don't realize that there's already people in this race. That's why I jumped in because there was already three people. I decided to jump in and I think Tony Thurmond realized it too. And he decided to jump in today. Um, and I, I did expect it to happen. I mean, he's been floating the idea around for a while now. Did I expect it to happen really suddenly? Not really, but, um, you know what? Congratulations to him. Uh, you know, my best wishes to him, of course. Um, I still personally think I'm the best candidate. Obviously, I'm biased, but still. We have to realize that enough is enough and we need to stop us electing these politicians with recycled plans or even no plans at all. None of my candidates actually have released their plans in full, but I have and I will continue to do so because I believe that that is what we need. We need real transparency and we need effective solutions. That's what I think we need. And I think that's what the people deserve. So yeah, but um, seriously though, congratulations to Tony Thurmond um, on announcing his campaign and uh, may the best candidate win. Um, But yeah, so that's pretty much the end of the episode. I just wanted to get on here and talk about his launch um, and you know, the whole election. Um, So yeah, but thank you all so much for tuning in and listening and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.